Hi, this is Surf Lobojan Thunderhammer. And I'm King Cabbage Tidehammer. And this is Whack. We got a couple of serious ones uh, under our belt. I slept with the king. And you become the champion day one and walk out. I'm surprised your beards didn't get Velcroed together. Explain that. No, you have to explain. I have a clue. That's why. Some sort of LARP thing. I survived that. I'm, I'm not going to murder you. <laughs> no, this is crime. It's a we good old-fashioned barn raising. No, we can't. No, this is I did a podcast crime. poison. We can't do this. <laughs> um, God, we don't even have an intro. Um, I don't know. Are you guys ready? I like that you just now wrote Jeff Lexi interview on the doing list. I just now <laughs> made the Trello card. Yes, I, I have nothing in the tank here. Okay, um, hold on, hold on. I'll do the... Let me pull up... Uh, what's one of the interviews that... I mean, we can talk about Obanian, awards like we had talked about before. That I think I think this up. is like a... How I would, if I was quote unquote in charge, uh, how I would see see Hammer Time or something like this is like a roundtable discussion as- aspect. So they did say time waster and the production aspect of it. Right. Also like a, to some degree, like an open mic kind of thing or whatever. Right. Well, Jay has said we can't call it a roundtable because um, yeah. he's a coward. Yeah. No, he said, so this it's was Slough because yeah. you can take the episode or not. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, right. if whack is the sound that a good shot makes, then this should be slough or shrug or something. Um, so Because you can take it. Take Nicks. it. Leave it. <laughs> Grazes. This is the grazing Draw episode. Cut. Draw cut the episode. No, that's dumb. <laughs> I don't like it. Miss stab. All right, do the thing. Um, yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll, do the, I'll do our roll in whenever you're ready. Uh, you, you guys ready? Yep. Fuck right. it, let's do it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Whacked, where we discuss topics important to the Kingdom of Winter's Edge, interview the AmpGuard community at large, and talk with interesting people from around the foam-fighting world. Today, we're doing kind of a special episode. Well, do we have a name for this one? Is this... Listen, we got to go with Slough, because that's what uh, Jay called it. This is kind of a, a fun-sized episode. You can you can listen to it or not. It won't make a big difference. Um, we're kind of just flying off the cuff here. We've got... Uh, Teflon with us. He is currently our regent and also a member of our belt line. So this could also be hammer time. We'll let the viewers pick. I don't really care. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Um, we're gonna we're gonna argue. We're gonna make jokes. We're gonna say some some cusses. Um, this is less child friendly than any of our previous episodes. So keep that in mind. They all have the explicit tag, but some of them are more family friendly than others. Um, with that in mind, Teflon, introduce yourself. Hey everybody, it's Teflon Frosthammer. <laughs> so. I'm going to start out with the first question for all of us here. Um, for you, Teflon, what have we been doing wrong with battle games? I mean, local level. I so thought you were going to say, what have we been doing wrong with the podcast? And I was like, please tell me <laughs> everything we've been doing wrong with the podcast. That, that's, a, that's a long list. No, what have we been doing lo- wrong with battle games? Like local level, and I don't just mean Radiant Valley. And then at kingdom level two. What, and, and what can we do to fix those things? Um, some of it is, uh, in a way, like a, a nonchalant attitude at the park for actual participation, not really in battle game design or anything like that, too. Even I do it at the park that I don't take it near as seriously, and I think that's actually a downfall to our newer players to some degree. Like, going on it and being I'm Billy Badass and I have this amazing spell list is not necessarily great for new people, but introducing aspects of that spell list instead of the whole thing 
um, I think is better. Like at our local park, we don't have a lot of people who play any kind of magic user other than maybe me and Boop. Um, so, uh, and now Lucas, some degree with, with Bard more recently, but mm, yeah. well, recently as much as COVID will allow. Right. <laughs> um, but it doesn't allow for the optics or audio of, of magic users being on the battlefield. Um, in a design aspect, uh, kind of the throwaway, let's go get ding the bell or capture the flag or something like that. Um, while good in between games, uh, just a, a lack of creativity in the general sense for a battle game on a local level, because it's just a, a local game. So who cares? Right. Well, if I may, it, so lack of creativity, is there a problem with having a simple objective for the battle game? Like, we used to play one called Neutral Archer, where it was just an archer in the middle, and there may be other things going on, like maybe you're having to put your flag in the circle, or maybe you're having to pick up a point, but the Neutral Archer can be captured and then becomes part of your team. And uh, Is something like that too simplistic for uh, for a good battle game? Does it need to be more overarching than well, that? How much of it, too, how much of the battle game, because you say we don't take it seriously enough, how much of the battle game should be role-play-centric? Because I feel like a lot of That's us, me specifically, we saw the Darkon documentary, thanks for the recommendation, <laughs> and like that is the opposite of what I want to be, and I think maybe that's wrong. Um, so the RP thing, the problem with AmpGuard is the rule set alone doesn't really... Uh, do justice for an RP system because there's no real consequence for death. We've even in the newest edition of eighth edition made I, it. So we don't have lives anymore on a general sense. So that makes it to where there's no real consequence of dying unless it's based on the, the scenario. Um, but as far as the RP thing goes, as long as your games ahead of time, uh, looking into like a quest or something that is more uh, brought up in front uh, and acceptable, then you're going to have more success with it, I feel like. Um, I don't remember what the other part of the question was. I'm sorry. I'm so distracted because for the people listening and who can't see what's happening, um, your wife is in the room and she just pulled out my journal and went through like every page of it. Yeah, I don't know what she's doing. It's, it's kind of so really deeply distracting distra- me I'm too. Like, I'm like, oh, what's in my diary that I can't have people read? I'm scared to death right now. I made those pants. It's mostly just patterns that I sketched out is and tried there, to sew. Is there anything in there worth sharing? Is there some hot the... goss in there? I don't think there is. I think she's <laughs> writing down questions or potential things like that for you guys. Okay, I don't it's so like she's been she's trying to be very furtive about it, but I'll be honest, I haven't heard anything you've said at all for the past six minutes. Oh man, I barely have heard it myself because I'm really distracted with it as well. Okay. Um where did we leave off Flo? You were listening. This is what I deal with, everyone. <laughs> This is this is this battle is games. The, how to make them better? Is role play important? Oh, right. The Darkon, other part of the question. Right. So the other part of the question was: Is simple objectives good for the battle games? And yes, the simple objectives on a local level are great, and even on a kingdom level are great. The things that add to the creativity is like the boundaries or the terrain effects or things like that. So then it's a little more engaging. Like recently, I've made a whole bunch of new walls and things. Which right. even the the first time I made walls I only made two they were roughly six foot tall by eight foot wide right and these two walls being just sort of kind of in the middle of the battleground changed the aspect of the battle game overall and it was very two simple walls that's it but everyone 
congregated around them. Right. I, I remember this and I remember like maybe not being more invested in the battle game. Cause like if there's an objective, I'm always invested, but specifically wanting to play with those walls. Right. It's the added flavor that anything you bring into it, this could be walls. This could be items like, uh, right. a while ago, Lexi made these totems that I don't think we ever actually got to play with them, but they were designed to be something similar to the shrine of the silver monkey, where you had three of them <laughs> and you had to get them all on your team and then assemble them. And then for um, some reason it was really hard to put together. I'm sure it would yeah. have been, to be honest, it was made out of spray foam. So who knows what would have happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this just doesn't, this doesn't uh, extend to just the people at your park that are normally organizing things either. There's some really simple props that you can make. I remember that uh, Gillen a long time ago made some flags for us and it was really just, a stick of PVC, a Schedule 80 PVC, with pipe insulation around it like you would be you know, patting the bottom part of a spear or something like that with, right? But it was just pipe insulation all the way up. There's nothing else to it. And a pommel on each end, essentially, right? And he, to that, he stuck uh, two pieces of fabric, kind of long pieces of fabric, to create the flag part. So that's not expensive to do. It's not a lot of time investment, but something like that creates a really cool thing that your park can then use. Yeah. The other thing with it, I think is a, this is more of a me design aspect. I think mm-hmm. is that I have flags uh, that I've made as well, but they're made out of the dollar, what a dollar 50, whatever things that, um, tractor supply. That's the fiberglass, uh, oh, the fence posts. Yeah. Electric yeah. fence posts. And they have just like a pennant style flag on them and there's different colors. So if you get your park used to certain aspects, like uh, boundaries are marked by cones and rope, uh, red flags are spawn points, blue flags are bases, or things like that, then you can make games and then build upon the base simple objective and then have these indicators that everyone all of a sudden knows so your, your simple thing can turn into a much more complex thing to someone who's coming in new. Yeah, I remember, because uh, I think it was Kazan, years ago, made, for a quest that he was running, just took a piece of PVC that was four feet tall and stuck a T-piece on top and then ran rope in between all of them just to raise up the boundary. And that made a huge difference to how oh, fun yeah. that game was. The curly Q um, uh, holders for the, the rope that we've been using for tournaments and stuff re- recently, yeah, that's those another are another one. good thing because you can add a level of, of three dimensions to the battlefield. And I think that's really important for engaging. Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is kind of a, 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 you know, Wednesday night role play sort of thing too. But as I've gotten older, I can't, I don't work as well with just keeping it all in my head. Right. It, it helps to have some kind of visual cue uh, with it. And amp guards are the same thing. You know, the more visual aspect you can add to it, the, the better it's going to be. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and things need to be be kind of clear and kind of concise as to what they are and maybe how they can be used. Um, I actually wanted to so so how seriously are we taking this episode? I, like, if we want to get into like hard hitting questions for for Teflon, we can. I was going to ask uh, about. I'm going to say yeah because he doesn't get a vote. No vote. <laughs> no, I just um, you know Region you're kind Teflon. of our um, uh, you know kind of our, our Jamie. I guess we we send you episodes and have you listen to them before they they come out and you get to proof everything. So you've you've Listen, listen to most of the episodes, right? Like I've listened to all of them, actually. That's God in heaven, I haven't even listened to all of them. Um, 
I, I edit, we edit them so like by the time it comes out I've heard it in bits and pieces. Yeah. Um so so who's your favorite guest so far? I mean we've had six, seven. You um, can say yourself. I no, it's definitely not me. Uh <laughs> I think for different reasons I really liked um Bunch's episode actually. Um it took a little more serious route which is not necessarily bad it just was, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I really liked um Obanions. I really liked his insight because it's totally different from mo- most people's insight that we would get any around, anywhere around Winter's Edge. Yeah, internally, Obanions' episode was, I think, mine and Flo's favorite. Like, after we shot that episode, we were both like, yes, that's the one. And, yeah. like, the the Bunch one, and this is no offense to Bunch, um, we shot that episode, and after we finished, we were all kind of like, was that a good episode? And it's not because it wasn't. Like, that's one of the ones I probably spent the most time listening to. But it was because it went so serious. Bunch is usually a pretty jovial dude. Mm-hmm. And he's a pretty, like, you know, happy-go-lucky kind of guy. So when he was serious the whole time, I was like, shit, that's not what I expected. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So, and, and most people have said the Bunch one was one of their favorites. Um, yeah. You know, looking at it from a from an analytic side, I think it's a crime because the, the O'Banion episode is our least listened to episode. Do you think that it's because he's uh, outside of Kingdom and a lot of our listeners have been inside of Kingdom? I think that's part of it, but honest to God, like if, if somebody is listening and figuring out like, how oh, which one should I listen to? I don't know some of these guys. Listen to the O'Banion one. It is, honest to God, still one of my favorite interviews we've done. That guy is awesome. Yeah, he told a whole story about mushrooms, cops... Yeah. And oh, the cops part is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I could see something like that happening at Dragon's Hollow because when we went, we went up there for that big day event, well, the cops were literally posted on the hill watching them. Yeah, and like should we get? I mean, we've had like? a couple things at RV back whenever it was in Oak Ridge too, where the cops would come by and in, in almost to a T how he described it, where oh, if they're new, then they actually parked and then they got out. But if they weren't new, they kind of slanted in, kind of watched for a minute and then yeah. left. And like that legit happened at RV a few times. We didn't have the whole like confrontation kind of issue that happened, but well, that we was definitely... that was engineered by O'Banion. Like they <laughs> right? were, you know, yeah. they would fuck with each other. So no, that's um like the bunch episode I thought was really good. Like as far as you know, episodes that I think people will like bunches by far. You know, and again, I talk to the guy all the time, but like that was one of the ones that we listened to and went, that's ah, I don't know about that one. And then the O'Banion one was the one we were sure as hell about, and it didn't get a whole lot of traffic. So I just didn't know, you know, if you had any. Anything like that. Um, I know after the, speaking of the bunch episode, because you were, you were. Yeah, I was actually there for that one. Yeah, you actually were on (laughs) that. That was your debut. Yeah. Um, I know afterwards we, we had a conversation about awards. Sure. Um, And I think we all have a little bit different opinion on awards. I think you and I were kind of aligned. I think we're close, but we're not quite exactly the same. How did that discussion come about? I'm trying to remember. What Honestly, brought that around? I don't remember because usually something award happens and then I get on my soapbox about this is how I look at awards yeah. and that it's, um, you know, one through two are Shire. So right. how many people are in a Shire, right? It's below 15. Yeah. So if you're doing basically anything, here you go, first and second, no problem, right? right. Um, and then was it 15 is the minimum for barony, right? Correct. So if you're affecting 15 people, you're doing work at a baronial level, which means you can get awards up to, was it fifth, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of how I look at it in general. Um, the That would be even for like tournament wins and stuff like that for me too, yeah. because if you have a, uh, uh, a tournament at a barony, 
and someone wins, I really think that they deserve, you know, their next order as long as it's under five, you know, or five or under rather. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Um, I know, um, like we're, we're kind of in agreement in that, um, you know, first and second level awards, like talking about Garbers, cause that's the easiest one. Sure. Like if you cut a hole in a sheet and threw it over your damn self, like that's one. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you made like the very, very first award for everything is you made an effort. Yeah. Right. You made an effort that is definitely not great, more than likely. And if it is great, cool, if you continue to do it and it was a 10th level you know, masterpiece and you continue to produce the same quality, I don't have a problem with you making 10 things that are that way and get there. <clears throat> yeah, it's... Um, so, the conversation somehow revolved around crat positions. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So that, that is specifically where I think we all kind of had a difference in opinion. And this is a good topic to put in the show because people care. Yeah. Um, I don't want to misrepresent Bunch here, but I believe, disclaimer, I believe the opinion that he took was that there, and I, I can, I can, I can, I can fuck with this. The, the opinion that he took was that some crap positions require less work than others and shouldn't give the same level of awards. And so he used the example that gate crap takes less work than a feast crap, which I absolutely agree with. I, I'm not going to say, but where we disagreed was that, you know, the person doing that job deserves less of an award. Um, and I know there was some discussion around that. Was that anything that you remember? Because I, I remember this was one of those things we talked about and said that should be on the podcast. So this is this is one of the things that I think that I separate in, from many people on is that I believe that quantity of work is almost, if not as important as quality of work. So if someone's done gate for nine years in a row, why are they not you know getting higher level rewards? That person right. is literally the person you guys look and and, and go to every single gate. For nine years, you know, right? Yeah. So I feel like someone like that should probably be considered for higher level award. Well, yeah. and if I can say this too, it's not that I... So yeah, is is being feastocrat more difficult than being gatecrat? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. No, no, nobody's going to argue n- that. Nobody's yeah. arguing that. But but having someone that, someone that has done both... Uh, somewhat recently, and by that I mean you know past couple of years, sort of thing. Which one of those positions carries more responsibility with it? That's I mean, a tough like, question in a way if, because if I lose money, has money and yeah, stuff, if, right? If so, we're not talking about someone who picks up a gate shift. To be very clear, we are talking about the person that is over all of gate, organizing everyone that's going to be. Uh, taking any of the shifts and making sure that the money's straight and doing countouts and if it's being done correctly, you know you have a tally sheet that all of this stuff is being kept track on. And if that doesn't line up at the end of the event, then your ass is grass. I mean, you're in. It, it I don't shouldn't know. be in yeah, some I, ways, but yeah, I don't know time, what would happen. Right? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what would happen in in a position <laughs> like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a, a it's a tough. Uh, it's an easy thing to do so long as everyone is doing what they need to do. But anyone who has ever had to work gate... I'm not sure we had a completely successful gate in the last four years. Yeah, I, I don't know that we yeah, have either. It's, and it's, this is no offense to anyone who has been over gate or, or who has helped out with gate or anything like no, that. It's just we've never sat down and truly made the process you know, a true process. Yes. It's always been something slightly different one way or the other. 
either it's you know we kind of got it right whenever it was all cash, but then we started putting the Square Store in, and, and that's some made people could prepay, yeah, yeah, prepaying was... and everything else like that. Like it's a good thing for event planning, but if you're not a good enough, I hate to put it that way, but if you're not a good enough gatecrat, then it's hard to keep up with. But it may not be that you're a a good or so much a bad gatecrat as the people you got stuck with or signed up with or whatever didn't follow your rules or something. And that's always going to be a problem because you're not going to be there the entire time. There's more that's out of your control. Like yeah. as, as a feast crat, it's, it seems you're like there or should be there. Right. If the ovens don't the work, team, right? that's out of your control. And yeah, that can suck. Right. If, mm-hmm. if there's equipment that's broken, that's what's out of your control, but you're still overseeing the entire thing. If right. you're a gate crat, presumably you're not there a hundred percent of the time. So you are putting it in someone else's hands, which can be scary. It not just scary, but with, with feast, you, if you do poorly, everybody sees it. Absolutely. Everybody sees that the dinner's late or it's not cooked well or something else has happened, right? You, you ran out of OJ at breakfast time. If you do gate crat excellently, nobody sees it. No one should know, basically. That's, yeah. the, that's the really cool and, and bad thing about that one, right? Well, okay. So, so having heard this now, I actually, um, I actually maybe changed my mind. So my, my original stance with Bunch was that a crap position is a crap position, and if someone does it and it's necessary to make the event run, then you give them the damn award. We don't, we don't get to quantify what's easier and what's not, because even to a different extent, some people may have a harsher time in a kitchen because they're not, they have sensory overload things. So gate crack can be easier because you're dealing with less things and less people at once. Sure. So we don't get to make the distinction between what is and isn't more work. But now I'm kind of wondering if, if maybe I'm wrong, right? Like you're, you're sitting here saying, you know, there, there is, um, you know, if you do it perfectly as gate crack, nobody notices, Right. Whereas if you do something even slightly wrong as feastcrat, everyone notices. So maybe I'm wrong. Is that is that one of those things where gatecrat should be someone's introductory crat position? I'm going to take Bunch's argument for him now because I, I kind of see where he's coming from. So I, to kind of, I guess, summarize Bunch's part of it also is like when you come into the higher awards that if someone's gaining those awards quickly, it can sometimes reflect poorly on them by to the COK or something like that, which... You know, if you're talking high level awards, at some point you're basically looking at at masterhood or belts or something, right? Right. So, right. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily because the award with the award standardization, we should be having something similar. But I've always had the kind of outlook of like a martial arts belt where everyone's journey is a little bit different and no one's ever completely comparable, even in the most quantifiable position at at sword belt. Because if people aren't the, the exact same, people aren't there over and over again your line is totally different. Yeah. Right? So I, I'm actually, so I'm of the same mind that you, that you were. And I don't know how many times we, we end up bringing up Sarah on this podcast, tie dye on this podcast, but how many times when we were at events and we were, there was discussion on awards for people that helped out at the events. Did we have to listen to, well, all she did was work in the kitchen. Not not doing a meal or anything like that. Yeah, man. Me and all Sarah she was, washed I don't know how many dishes in the very early, early times of yeah. Wood Edge. Yeah, all, all she did was wash dishes. <laughs> all she did was take gate shifts. All she did was this or that or the other. I'm I'm saying that there has to be a line somewhere where the quantity of work that is being done 
matters. You, well, I mean, I think it was Napoleon that said quantity has a quality all its own. And if they're doing a lot of it, I mean, these are, no matter how you cut it, these are essential positions that make the event fucking run. We can argue about whether or not they're harder, but if somebody doesn't do gate, your event won't happen. Well, I mean, you, you as an autocrat, you would have to take over that responsibility, right. which is the, the reason why the autocrats have the, the highest end of, of that, right? Um, yeah. So ultimately, it could be a responsibility outlook where things fall, you yeah. know. Um, but again, gate, like just specifically for Gatecrat, like that's a huge responsibility for the money for the kingdom and stuff. So maybe we're looking at Gatecrat not quite in the right light anyway. Well, that's maybe where we're I was too at. focused on Gatecrat though. Are there other crap? Is it like cleanup crap? Is that one of those that we can say is a lesser crap award? Because I don't think so. Uh, no, I don't think it's necessarily like, is a lesser there, crap. Is there a crap that is lesser though? I, I mean, don't. I don't lesser think so. Overall, no, I don't think so. But the problem comes like how how much work is required to these standardized awards, right? And that's sure. going to, and the problem lies is like, you know, um, me and Lucas may look completely different on it. Maybe I'm more harsh than, than Lucas is or, or something like that for deciding what level it is. And I use him just simply because he's here, but like mm -hmm. every other monarch may have a bar that's totally different. And then trying to set a bar for someone else, I feel is selfish in a way as well. Because that takes away from, from a monarch's ability to award things, you know, right. as, as voted and given to. Right? Yeah, once you once you remove discretion entirely from the picture, what's the point in having a monarch at all? Right. Yeah, you um, can you can oh you can create too many policies and procedures for something. Right. Yeah, There's a absolutely. reason that we that we liked and we what you want is you you want something in a similar ballpark. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's why I kind of go back to to martial arts because I, I had some background in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And I can see uh, and look at a competition blue belt and say, this guy's really good. And then yeah. I can see a hobbyist blue belt where he may not win as many matches, but he definitely has the knowledge and some of the fundamentals that, that the competition guy does. He just doesn't do them quite as well. Right. You know? So that's, that's why I see you know, everyone's journey is different. Well, yeah. And everything in AmpGuard is like that, too. I mean, to, to use fighting as an example, uh, you know, you have situations where two people might have their fifth, and one of them has been in the game for a long time and is technically superior in every way to this other person who just now got their fifth order. Doesn't mean that they don't both deserve the fifth. Doesn't mean that that first example doesn't deserve higher than right. they're at right now. Mm -hmm. But currently, they are both at five, and... There's a, there can be a disparage on right, yeah, and, and again, like with awards, it gets into the sticky situation of like the award standardization. What the problem is for me, like I don't supposed... think I don't think you can standardize awards. No, just, I, I don't. No I really don't think win. you can in a generic overall the game. Like Rising Winds has, or I think it's Rising Winds has Keep or whoever whoever yeah. Kingdom runs Keep. Right? Yeah, and they, from my understanding, uh, to to work towards or get that flame belt, you have to do stuff inside that big event. Winner's Edge doesn't have that. So to me, award standardization is things that should be pretty close or similar, but inside the kingdom. It's almost like a quote-unquote states' rights aspect, you know? Like, well, Amphgard is very much set up that right. way, so that's fine. Well, okay, so meet, meet me halfway here then, because as a monarch, I have to sort of thread this needle, right? And, mm -hmm. and future monarchs will have to do so as well. If I am an autocrat and I'm taking bids for an event, and, you know, I'm, I'm saying... We'll just keep using gate crap. Sorry yeah. to anyone who's ever ran gate before. We are genuinely not insulting you. Um, <laughs> it's just, it specifically came up, so I'm going to keep using it. Um, so I'm autocrat for an event, and I'm entertaining bids for gate crap. I have, I have five people in front of me. 
Um, two of those people, I know the, ins- I understand what I just said. Okay. Please let me dream. Go on. Go I have, on. My dreams as Monarch are so small right now. <laughs> I will take anything. Okay. So I have five bids in front of me, but three of those people are on their eighth rows and two of those people are, are, or one of those people are on their sixth rows and one guy is on his fourth rows. Should I, as the Monarch promote the guy with his fourth rows to do the thing? I don't, I don't know if that's. I don't know if just, I know that your example isn't just looking at their awards as to say who to promote. It's just one of the aspects of it, but right. Cause there's probably more experience. The guy with eight roses has probably done gate a few times. Right. So yeah. And know. this touches on something that I've said for a very long time to a lot of people, but you, you have to kind of train up the next generation. So, I mean, where would I go with that? I would say, as you just now said, there's probably people with a lot more experience that can do it there. But you have this person who, and we're also using this theoretical that this person that only has four is newer. It could be that they've been in the game for a long time. Right, but I'm a monarch and I like giving awards. It's fun. It's the best part of being a monarch right now. So <laughs> sure, I want to give someone an award. It would be most feasible for me to give the four roses, dude. His a award. fifth so, for, yeah. for doing the thing. Yeah. And people wouldn't say, oh, well, he got, he got his ninth rose off of doing gate. What the hell? You know, so is there some credence to that? Or should I just take the best person for the job regardless? Man, I mean, that's rough. Like, it really yeah. is. Because overall, like, I would want to put the guy who's got four in it, like, personally. That's right? kind of where... And know, like, so that's, again, where you get this kind of tiered system of what is a good spot for awards to come from. Right. But aren't you saying by doing that, though we we said a moment ago there's not entry level positions, but aren't we kind of defining into existence entry level positions? To some then? degree, yes, and that and that is in in and of itself a problem. Um, but there's also the aspect and that at kingdom level, it's kingdom level no matter what. Right. So right. if that's the aspect you take, then gatecrat and some of those other crats like metacrat and stuff like that, maybe you should be looking at higher level rewards for them. Um, Metacrat's an interesting one. Oh yeah, Metacrat. I genuinely think you should take the best guy for the job. Holy yeah. shit! Hey exactly. Oz, how you doing? Yeah, Oz, um, buddy. And Oz, Mama, Mama, K, Mama K's you, done yeah. it, uh, quite a bit. Yeah. And so this is a this is another really interesting one. And I I don't know if this has or has not happened, but has has Oz or Mama? I know that they've done it at multiple events. Has Oz or Mama K even ever been mentioned in an awards recommendation to get an award? Don't answer that, Monarch. Um, oh, I was about to. I'm asking theoretically. Right, I'm asking theoretically. This is this is another one of those are all are all positions created equally. Right, and and I don't know. This, see, this is where it gets what, <laughs> uh, where it gets a little hairy with it, right? Because it, it's the the aspect of like you were saying, entry level position versus equal equal things uh, for for the cracks, and uh, you know it's. I I really think that like gatecrat specifically can be done by someone who has already shown like trust with money or whatever right but it has a lower award and then can still stand to gain awards from it right the, it's going to be such a harder sell to sell someone who's going to get their tenth for doing some kind of gatecrat job even if they've done it four years in a row on all of them <laughs> right yeah, <laughs> all see, of your events I. If if this is something that's been sorry, are we doing a thing here? We're uh, definitely this doing is, the hands on the head thing. Yeah. If this is something where they have been working a lot of positions and Gatecrat happens to be the last one that they do, I don't have a problem handing them that tenth. And I'm kind of of the mind that 
if I can say, you know, hey, this person has been doing this and doing this and doing this, and they, they worked gate at our last event too. They've always done a good job, and I'm going to give them their 10th. I'm kind of the mind to tell every, anybody who has a problem with it to fuck off. I mean, I mean, that's the aspect I take, to be honest. Yeah. The, uh, now, yeah, you're in, you're in rocky territory there because I'm going to have a different standard than probably the, everybody sitting in this room and the next monarch is going to have a different standard than me and you know, whatever else. But I, I, there has to be a, I said this a moment ago, I'll say it again. There has to be a point where there are enough dominoes in a row that you can finally knock them down and see the pattern. Right. Right. Well, to to come back to your original question, if you, if you guys want to play the inside baseball for a second, um, Oz did serve as Metacrat at Symposium, and he was awarded. And so, to to put this in perspective, Oz had to deal with several medical issues of different degrees of, of seriousness. I don't know every one of them, but there were there were at least three incidents I know of where he had to get involved and help somebody. I got sand um, thrown in my eyes. Yeah, well, you're, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's your fault. Um, Lexi did it. <laughs> so Oz got a an order of the Caduceus. That's which, from me, by the way. So yeah. we can talk about this completely. Yeah. So <laughs> that's not an award. That's nothing. So right. So this. I think this was more of a mistake on me than okay. anything else. So I, I to, wanted to think. I need Oz. to print a, retra- a, a redaction before we move on. I'm 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 being motioned at violently that it was Z. Beep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, so, so here's the thing. That's since been corrected. Oz should now have his eighth rose. Right. So whenever but... I awarded it, um, I didn't. Re- I, the last award that I saw, I think, was for his um, involvement with uh, the co autocrat uh, event, um, and that was a lot longer ago than I had realized. And he had been in the metacrat convi- uh, metacrat position for a lot longer than I had remembered. Yeah, he right. has some experience as um, like an EMT or something. Yeah, he has, something, he has some sort of minor medical license or, or medical license. He's got the band-aids. Yeah. I don't know what he right, does. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, and so what I wanted to do was thank him because what he was doing. So I used a non-traditional award to do so uh, oh, because okay. I didn't realize how long and how far away all the other you know Metacrat positions were. Oh, okay. Um, okay, because so that's way... my bad, Oz. If you hear this, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. The what it looked like to me was that he was given an order of the Caduceus in lieu of an Eighth Order, and I was like, who would do that to him? No, 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 no. So that's not at all. That what makes it was. more yeah. sense. Okay, <clears throat> this is a good episode. We're we're clearing up old beef. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to ask Flo. You mentioned something where, uh, or maybe it was Teflon. Someone mentioned something about how the COK will look at these positions differently. Um, potentially anyway. Yeah, right. Um, Flo, you are the GM, COK. I am. Of Winner's Edge. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you? Um, <laughs> Got him. <laughs> what does, and, and I don't know how much you can reveal or how much of it is, is sort of not in a process that can be you know talked about, but what do you look at? When you're looking at a potential candidate for knighting, what is it that you're looking at? What are you trying to get out of them? I know you talk to the candidates some. What is that, what is that process like? So it's, it's not about revealing or, or not revealing. I'm pretty much everybody on the night circle is fine discussing whatever's going on. We won't discuss people's, the way that people voted. Yeah, or you guys like have that. regular talks where people are invited to come at certain events. So this is not, you know, yeah, we do, we do. So the, uh, the, the idea of those talks is that anyone that is eighth order and above 
we specifically want to start to get to know because you're getting really close. Anyone's welcome to come. Anyone's welcome to ask questions. But we specifically would like to talk to some of the people that are that are higher up and closer to knighthood. But so what do we look at? This is going to be one of those things where my answer is not going to be satisfactory for a lot of people that are listening to this. And it's because there is not a unified answer for it. It's not like the night circle says, okay, this is what we're, we're looking at. Um, different people look at different things. I will say that if this is a situation where you're going for your crown, then they'll look at what positions have you held. You know, have you gotten any titles or awards for uh, leadership positions or something like that? If you're going for your uh, serpent belt, then they'll look at what have you been entering? What are your orders at? You know, you've got your 10th and masterhood now. Some people may say, well, do you have anything in any of the other arts and science categories? Like, you know, is your, are your owls at six or seven in addition to your garber in this example being masterhood or something like that? Right. And some people will say, I don't care what your owls are. You've gotten your master garber. That's good enough for me. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of a uh, uh, personal idea of where the, uh, where someone should be. Mm-hmm. It is why everyone in the night circle has their own mm-hmm. vote. And the result of that vote Whatever it is, is what's taken to the monarch with a, hey, this person passed the vote, or no, this person didn't uh, pass the vote. That's right. the that's how the it, that's kind of a beginning to end how it goes. So, it's not a satisfactory answer because it's not as clean as being able to say, well, there's this there's this process that's laid out for how everything is looked at. Right. Um, We're I can, not purely an objective based game, so that's that, kind of the issue too. That's right. right, and you run into even more problems because. Uh, you may have a knight in, we were talking about Oz, so I'm going to pick Everliving Woods here, right? You may have a knight in Everliving Woods who is being asked to review Podrick in Who Cares a Lot, uh, Shire, who is a great guy and has done a lot of good things and is now being put up for his uh, knighthood. And uh, this, this knight, uh, has never heard of Podrick from Who Cares a Lot and doesn't know anything about them, but they're still being asked to vote uh, on this particular person. And even that is handled in different ways. Some knights will, is it still called recuse themselves from the vote? Abstain. Abstain, abstain, just abstain. Yeah. Uh, so just we'll just abstain and say, you know, hey, I, I don't know this person well enough. Um and I have something on that. Remind me when you're done with this. Yeah, sure. And and some some knights will reach out to the person and try to get to know them a little bit. But in situation, we don't know everybody, right? This is one of the reasons why we'd like to get to know people when we're at events. Because me contacting you on Facebook and just asking some questions isn't really going to give me a good understanding of your character. Not everyone, not everyone interviews very well. Um, not everyone answers questions, uh, posed in that format very well, but that doesn't mean that you aren't a good garber in this example, right? Or, a a a good, someone that's good at service to the game or something like that. Well, so, um, something it's, it's a martial art and I don't do them. So maybe it's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Jeff will correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) But there is a martial art where when you get to a black belt, 
and and keep in mind in this one there are positions higher than black belt but black belt is kind of the if you are a hobbyist black belt is as high as you get sure and black belt is where you are considered capable of teaching newer <laughs> players um that was lexi doing a hiccup she's also in the room with us um but so when you get to that black belt you are capable you like of teaching younger participants or people who are not as skilled i don't know if that's bjj it- some of that's school to school, but blue belts will typically be someone who who can teach okay. um, fundamental classes to white belts. Can, on, depending can you on teach your, me? I mean, we can. <laughs> You're not wearing your braces, and no. I mean, we just put a, a mat down in that side of the garage over there. We're in I'm my going to right leave now. the microphones on and just let people listen to you get broken on the floor. <laughs> this, the next four minutes of this podcast will be okay. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Crack your bones. <laughs> crack your bones. Yeah. yeah. So, do you think that, like, I guess, I guess my question is, is is knighthood just the top tier belt where it says you're the best at doing what you do, or is knighthood some other belt where it says you are now the person we trust to teach new people? Because the I, that's a loaded question there. It Elizabeth. sure is. <laughs> you don't have to answer it, but it it um, God, I need to remember what martial art this is. It might be like Taekwondo, but that sounds wrong. Ishinru. I'm naming martial arts. Um. But it, it is it is the way that they treat it. Once you get to this belt, you are now capable of teaching other people the thing. And is that what knighthood should be, or is this just um, like how how are you looking at candidates when they come in? So, I'm going to answer this question: How flow I am looking at candidates? Sure. Because again, the knight you, circle you can't speak for the whole. Yeah. yeah the the knight circle is comprised of individuals, and each individual is going to have okay, their maybe. No. <laughs> My name is the flow, and I speak for the knights. Um. The what I am looking for when I am evaluating uh, someone for a belt uh, is uh, first have they gotten all of their box tops? I think is how it's generically referred to. Box right? do, tops, yeah. Do they have the uh, Do they have the awards that they need? Just uh, to clarify, box tops are the one through ten masterhood. Of the yes. awards. Yeah, box yes. tops are. And and sometimes you can trade in your orders uh, like of the warrior for a Dakota ring if you get to <laughs> six of them and you just decide you're not getting any further. Yeah, and for some of the belts where you have uh, companion awards that can be given, I'm going to use Serpent Belt as, as an example here where because there's several different paths to Serpent. Um, do, what do they have? Wh- what award level do they have in some of those other things? That's not a disqualifier for me. It's just a point of curiosity. You know, some people are very uh, laser focused uh, in what they're doing, and then we also have an, we we have a dragon, which is kind of a super generic toss up for anything that's not garb. Right. Uh, so right. you might so, see like this person only has garbers, but oh my god, the stuff they're making is like you know Shakespeare Company quality, and they have no owls or anything else, and that might be okay. And then you have yeah. another person who is you know ha- has ten garbers, and their garb is fine. It's it's not you know blowing anybody's mind but they also have eight owls and they have you know nine dragons and like they're they're good in a lot of categories right yeah absolutely um so there is that aspect of it um you've also uh i want to talk to the person uh i'm normally at all at all of our events i know most of the people in the the kingdom um but i like to get to know someone too because who you are as a person matters uh, if you're going to be representing uh, the Circle of Knights. Um, we are in a position where because we are a an exclusive group, we are already in this category where people are 
naturally distrusting of anything that comes out of it because the things that we say are being said behind closed doors. The things that we do are being done behind closed doors. And even though we are not the ones who knight people, we don't even have a ultimate say on whether someone gets knighted. All we do is we give a recommendation of yes or no, and the monarch decides whether to follow it. That's, now, that's loaded. Yeah, that's no, loaded most, like a horse's most, diaper, though. If I knighted some guy without like running I mean, it by the COK, that, what would happen? It has happened a couple times, if I'm not mistaken. And it's in our kingdom? No. Not no, in our kingdom, kingdom no. Um, How has it gone? It, it's not gone great, basically, because yeah. the problem becomes a, a social <clears throat> faux pas kind of aspect. Um, yeah. And it's not really, it, from what I have seen, and it's only been internet stuff, so it seems like the monarch then isn't as looked down upon as the person who received the belt unjustly. That's what I would work, right, like, it, you wear that white belt out and, like, everybody knows you are... Right, like I don't, I don't mean to insult those because as the monarch, you put somebody in a really crappy position. Yeah, so like you're right in in that the COK doesn't officially on paper have the power to make a knight, but but the COK officially has the power to make. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. unofficially, unofficially, yeah. yeah, Like it it would be very hard for me to make a knight just whole cloth and sell it to you and and it it work out okay. I feel like it would be bad. Anyway, sorry, I I completely agree with that. So, um, what are what kind of things have they done for whatever class of belt that they're going towards? Um, what kind of person are they? Um, I mean, I'm sorry. This is, this is hard for me to say because I grew up in an amp guard where if you did the thing, you get the thing. If you did the work, you get the belt. But as I have gotten older, and maybe this is unfair, maybe it's not, I don't know. But if you're just a complete jerk, I don't want you to be a knight in our game. Uh, we, I mean, to some degree, that's where masterhood and knighthood can be broken. Yeah, you know, like much like the the old idea of warlord versus sword knight. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I I miss that I miss that distinction. And uh, it the the problem is this: Ampguard went through our uh, our attitude era, if you want to call it that, like circa. <laughs> I do want to call it that circa so wrestling bad. or or whatever. You know where. You had a, you had people in uh, that were knights that were just complete jerks. Not all knights were, of course, but well, you know, and some you, of those knights who who are still in the game did mellow out yes. with age. But but I yeah. mean, yes, I to your credit, I see what you're saying. And I just I I don't I don't want that. What we don't live in that amp guard anymore. Um, I don't want to deal with with people that. That that kind of get in and get this power hunger to them, I guess is a is a good way to to put it. Like this is this is supposed to be for fun, uh, and uh, if if you your fun, you don't have a right to ruin other people's fun to try and create yours. Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, you know, this is this is maybe that's a, the best way that I can put my line in the sand for that is. Your form of fun cannot come at the expense of others' form of fun. And I, I know that that's loaded as well, and we're probably going to get comments in the YouTube group of examples of this how This is entirely off the cuff. Like, right? I'm sure but, if you had to write an answer that was formal, it might be different. But just but first impression. Yeah. It's a, 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 it, it, that, can be a, that can be a tough thing. But in, in general, just being a jerk, you're, my, my, you're going to get knocked down several several points uh, in, in my eyes for something like that. Um, and then the the final one is, 
there is a debate on whether all knights should be teachers. And there is even a debate on what being a teacher means. Okay. Right? So even our own knight circle is not uh, unified in this. It's not that there's a... I don't think that there's a, a right answer to the question. I think it's how you view uh, how you view knighthood in a way. Um, also, potentially, like you said earlier, how you view teaching. Yeah, how you view mm-hmm. how you view like, teaching. Um, Gun does great one on one teaching, and it's not necessarily any kind of formal thing, but he kind of struggles with like a class aspect of it, right? So, are we going to? Um, be negative towards someone who just doesn't do a class style structure. Right. Yeah. He is guns, a great example because he's one of those people that, um, I feel pretty confident saying he learns best by doing and he teaches best by showing. I think I agree with that completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that form of teaching is not conducive to a 50 person class or something like that. Right. Even 10 people. I don't know how anyone teaches a class of any kind to anyone because everybody's at a different skill level. Like people who are teachers, I genuinely don't get how the hell they're supposed to manage that. So in Anthgard, where people can not only be at different skill levels, but different ages and different, um, you know, different levels of competence just with their own bodies. Like, how do you teach a fighting class to that many people? So I can I can understand that. Like, that's that would be a tall order for anyone. More respect to people that do things like uh, SKBC or absolutely or something like that. Um, Yeah. But for me, um, I think that a knight should be able to pass on their knowledge. Now, if you want to call that teaching, you can call it teaching. Uh, If you want to uh, call it something else, you can. But you need to be able to pass on the knowledge and experience that you have gained over the years. Um, And that is what I am looking for. Um, Gunn is able to do that, so for me, he was an easy yes in that book. If you are not able to do that, that might be one of the only things that is a hard stop for me. Um, I totally understand that people have different levels of uh, social involvement or social anxiety or whatever like that, so I'm not looking for any grand things. But if you can't pass on the knowledge that, that you've learned, then your value to the kingdom as a whole. And that's really what knights are supposed to be. You're, you are supposed to be the people that people can go to when they have questions. Your value to the kingdom uh, as a knight is, is diminished greatly. So I think uh, we can tangentially get somewhere with this too. Um, getting to knighthood uh, seems to produce a lot of burnout. So yes. uh, is this uh, something that should be part of getting to knighthood or is this something that like, is this like a a perseverance aspect to it? Or do you think this is a bad negative thing? Like how many people have we seen coming in through the game, getting their seventh order or, or so far and get burnt out and just leave the game? Like, is that? So I think the, the, the root of your question there, I've heard it asked a couple different ways is, is there a time commit? It is one of the prices that you have to pay for a belt, a time commitment into the game. Um, to some degree, but more more of like the the dealing with the because each each level or each order of the the of knighthood has its own places for burnout. Right? Well, can I can I speak to that as a non knight? Yeah, quick yeah. And how I I see it. Yeah. The the burnout is a feature, not a bug. Um, 
And that is to say that as a knight, I assume you're going to be asked to weigh in on certain things. You are going to, at some point, have to give someone advice. You are going to have to deal with certain issues that you wouldn't have to as a non-knight. Um, someone's phone is buzzing. Is that yeah, you? that's mine. Okay, we're all looking around the room for a phantom phone. So, oh, it's Jay. It is. Oh, I can't wire him in. Um, <laughs> next week. Shit. Yeah. Next week. Next week. Okay. Um, damn it. Dang it. We could just ambush him right now. He doesn't even know. So, okay, the, the, the burnout is a feature, not a bug. If you can't stand the climb, then you may not be fit to do the job as a knight. It's the same, you know. So is it worth the loss of, of that information, though? Because you, if, you, if someone's burned out so bad that they've went and left the <clears> game, <throat> is that really worth it for the game as a whole? If they had gotten their belt as easily as they wanted it, would they be the kind of knight that Flo just said he wants? Yeah, so like it's it's the it's the climb to the base camp of Mount Everest. That in itself is a is a climb you have to be fit to do. If you can't make the climb to base camp, you don't get to go to Everest the next day. I, I want to tell a and story. You're not physically fit to do it. If you can't make the climb to base camp, you're not fit to climb Everest. Like that is genuinely a thing the Sherpas have to like tell people. Like if they're turning around, they're like, you don't get your money back. You don't like you don't right. get to go. So I don't know. Like the the is the loss of that information or that person worth it? I don't know. The flow, answer the question. Yeah, so or story time anyway. <laughs> well, okay, let me answer the question uh, first. I I got burnt out. Most people I know have gotten burnt. I think everyone in this room at one point mm-hmm. uh, or yep. another has been burnt out. If you look at most knights in the orc, um, whatever their belt is, so like if 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 you know flow you are a crown knight, you also have like eight warriors. Um, if you look at Duffer, who is a, a flame knight, he now has ten dragons. But you know, I'm I like, thought he was—he's a, a two belter. He's crown and flame, isn't he? I believe so. Yeah. So, and he's at at ten dragons now. But like most knights have gotten really close. Like Sir has Gillen, he anything for the castles? Can we? That's how he got his tenth. Oh, good yeah. for him. Yeah. Um, Sir Gillen is 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 a is a sword knight and has eight or nine crowns. Like yeah. again, everybody does. The the thing is, is those people get burnt out and they do something else. Is, yeah. is, that's what I've seen. Looking at the orc for a lot of nights, this is something that Duffer pointed out. You know, Sir Duffer, I, I went and looked after he said this, and I was like, oh shit, they all do. Like, they get burnt out, but they don't quit the game. Right. Yeah, move on to something that you still find fun yeah. uh, sort of thing. So, story that I was going to tell. Sorry. This is a story. Uh, so, this is uh, Sir Gillen's story that, uh, that I'm telling, and it involves uh, Jarek, uh, Chuck. So, they were at a tournament, down, I think it was in Neverwinter. I think we were still in Neverwinter at the time. And Jarek had reached a point where he was one kill away from getting his fourth or fifth order. I don't remember which one it was. And so, of course, Sir Gillen is the next person in line. He that That's the kill. And you know, Jarek, joking around, of course, you know, he throws up his hands in the air. He's like, oh, of course, it's it's you. Can't I just have this one, man? And he's joking about it. He, of course, doesn't want Gillen to throw the fight or anything like that. But Sir Gillen said something that really has stuck with me because I was, I was way back in line uh, behind them there. He said something that has really stuck with me. He said, Chuck, one of these days, you are going to be a sword knight. That is just a fact. And you will look back on, if you're able to beat me in this fight, you will look back on this and thank me for what I'm about to do. There's, 
no way that I would just hand this to you because getting the belt is not the goal. The journey that you took to get there is the goal. That's what helps you grow as a person. The belt is just the recognition you get from your peers that you have reached that level. And I thought that that was just one of the best things that you could say to someone right before you one-shotted them and sent them to the back of the line. (laughs) (laughs) That is a hard question to answer, though. I, I genuinely, like, when you bring up the, is it worth losing that person... I don't I guess I guess I don't feel like you have to lose the person, right? If the person gets burnt out pursuing a belt and they quit the game, they were probably going to get burnt out at some point anyway. Well, and like we, I mean, I got I burnt out and quit the game. I also had a 5-year-old, so like <laughs> give me a little bit of slack, but right. like I burnt out and quit the game for 5 years. And I did come back, but like I also could have just done things online and helped organize, taught classes or something like Maybe I should have done that instead, and I wouldn't be starting five years later with nothing to show for it. Well, maybe if we had reached out to you at the time. Well, I mean, that's kind of my point, is that if someone is on the journey to burnout, right, why aren't we, like, actively trying to help burnout, you know? What does burnout look like to you? Because this is, burnout's different in everything, right? right? Yeah, I mean, it's, like, burnout is going to look different to different people. If they're making melodramatic Facebook posts, or if they just seem fucking done when they show up to park, yeah, okay, that person's Right, exactly. But some people burn out differently. Yeah, you see them start, they're not coming out to park as much, uh, and it's not because football season's going on or something like that. Um. (laughs) Lexi's (laughs) writing an aggressive note. (laughs) She refuses to talk, so all we heard was... The pen clicking. <laughs> we'll see what that turns out to be. But, um, you know, that that's... You are right. There is not one look for it. It can be hard to, to identify. And then there's also those people that they just don't really like to talk to people. Yeah. They're not the kind of person that is just going to, you know, message you back and have a, you know, all day long conversation on Facebook Messenger or something like that because that's just not who they are. It can be tough, but it can be tough isn't a reason to not reach out. You know, if you notice any any kind of thing like that, be like, you know, hey, man, how are you doing today? I think O'Banion said this to us when yeah. Yeah. he said a lot of problems could be solved. It's another reason people why just reached out. O'Banion's episode is one of my favorite, just because all the, like, little things that are in that episode are huge. Captain yeah, it's, it's a million small pieces of good advice but the other thing that that stuck out to me with that is so far everybody has kind of the same advice how do we grow the game up plan promote you know uh be be super cool to the people that are new at your park and all of those things and obanion had some really cool stuff like reach out to the people that are getting burnt out you know oh i i really liked his i think he called it like something like 70 30 in the sense of 70 percent on the core 30 percent on recruitment right and this this is something that i I, retain uh, your members don't recruit retention is the biggest part because at this point you know, I don't think that we get that many walk-ups in the sense of, like, we're in this park because it's a populated park and a lot of people can see us. I think done is that time. Yeah. Um, okay. With so, social media and stuff like that. So my whole thing Man, about we are park location. Left and right. It's great, though. <laughs> Listen, this is a slough episode. It doesn't matter. Um, the, okay, so the whole reason I keep bringing up park location is because uh, we, we have a buddy at uh, uh, Freehold, Ruben. Yeah, uh, Buccaneers um, respite. Buccaneers respite. Good guy. And the one, I great love, group. They look like they're getting. They're, they're they've gotten bigger through COVID, which is just fucking wow. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is we went to go visit, and we pulled up, 
and their park is genuinely hard to find. And Ruben, I love you and I love your park, but I want to see you like, guys. And the park in and of itself is a great looking park. It is, but you also have to like pay $3 yeah, for no, parking. No, it's only like a dollar or two, Okay, yeah. but still, like it is a barrier of entry. You can't see it driving by. You have to pay to get into the park. It's up and over the hill, and like, I want this place to fucking succeed. I have family in Johnson City. I can go to that park like four times a year. I mean, it's an hour and 15 minutes away from here. Like, I'm lazy, and it's convenient. Yeah, 100%. All of my, because <laughs> I talked to him immediately afterwards, and I was like, hey, have you ever thought about changing your location? And he said, eh, you know, we're not really, we're not really, and. To be fair, his park has grown, so I'm probably wrong. But I keep bringing up the location thing because part of me wants to be like, just go to a, a fucking park that people can walk by so your park can survive the winter and so your park can survive the COVID. But right, but I'm not sure that that's... Necess- the the it's only not. downside it's absolutely not. I think- to his park is the, the pay-to-parking. I yeah. think that is the only downside to it in today's day and age. Right. Um, now, you can... he He's got ways to kind of circumvent it to some degree. Well, and they like, go to cons, and like you said, they're social There, media, there is a so. free parking area, but you have to walk a little farther. He also said that, like, we'll ferry people back and forth if they don't have it or pay for it or whatever, you know? So they definitely have the workaround. Right. Um, so that's not like a... I don't think it's a disservice to them to some degree. But the only thing, like I said, is, is an, a barrier, and maybe it's a barrier from someone saying, hey, I need, I want to go visit, but uh, I don't want to pay for parking for whatever reason, whether it's some moral weird thing or like just don't have the extra dollar or whatever. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's why that always comes up though. Like I, I've, I've brought that up in every episode and I'm kind of stopping now because I realize like <laughs> it doesn't matter and, and Ruben gets it, but yeah, he's, that, that's he's messaged me and posted about it. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I fucking shut up. I'm like, cause I'm like I said, I don't think that recruitment uh, comes from the walkups anymore. We have social media stuff and maybe like local parks need to be more aggressive on social media type things. Like instead of being just on Facebook, because that's the, 25 and up group basically mm-hmm. roughly uh we're missing the lower end of it like i've i have not seen near as many um 16 to 20 year olds come to the game as whenever i first start right yeah yeah so, i mean are, do we need to do we need to be putting out like the uh how to throw a shot on tiktok or something like i don't that? know if uh, how to throw a shot necessarily would be the way to go but it it potentially is but i think um people managing like legitimately like a, a, a just a uh, jugging match that turns into a fist fight. Sorry. I said <laughs> jugging match twice in that, didn't I? Right. Yes. Uh, but like a, a, a social media position for a local park effectively where you, they manage Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, some, some whatever groups are do like paying like for that. Google AdWords. To yeah. Park. I remember working. Will Baron. Will Baron, Will Baron, I think had some moderate success at, at yeah. Emerald Academy when he did the Facebook group. I think he put 50 bucks in. Um, and I think that's something to consider. Uh, but again, like we're, we're missing the Instagram audience. We're missing, you know, I don't know if TikTok would be one. It's weird. TikTok's a weird universe to be in. So yeah. Well, it's wild. And I think it has real potential. What you else know? are you going to do on the toilet? Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, okay. So TikTok has pointed out to me though, um, that there are more than ever, there are more combat sports that exist than anyone was aware of. So, I mean, we've always known because, because we do foam fighting, we already knew about Amp Guard and Bellegarth and Dagger here. We and tangentially SCA and, and SCA, ACGL, right. whatever the armored but, combat yeah. league and things like that. Yeah. But now there's, there's a HEMA, there's a, a, a boo hurt. Boo hurt. I don't know how to say it. I've it seen it right like now. It looks like butt hurt. And it I does. Just, I'm okay. Not <laughs> okay. Pause for just a moment. What, 
Uh, tell me more about Butthurt. What is Butthurt? Is, okay, do you know that I sent you a TikTok where it's it's playing, I can't even remember what the song is, but like this guy's got him in a corner and he puts his gorget down and then bonks him oh, on the head. Oh, yes. That's, yeah. that's Butthurt. Um, oh, so it's like armored combat. Like. Yeah, it is It is another full armored combat mm-hmm. sport. Yeah, okay. So it's it's not that, um, I don't think that the, the combat LARPy sports is dying. I think that there are just now so many that we have to be more aggressive about taking our piece of that pie as Amped Guard. Because before... Amped Guard was really the, the cheapest one to get into, and it was the only one that most people had heard of. Like that, Belagarth or Daggett here. You had you, you, you also had the magic it. system of, of Amped Guard to kind of bring... Right. Uh, to differentiate us from the yeah. other games. Yeah. yeah. So, But now there's a lot of them, and people are aware of them because And not of even shit just like, like, you know, nationalizations. It's just like local level LARPs exist in the sense of big, you know, monthly 50-person events randomly. Some of those usually don't last... Which is the interesting thing about Ampgard and Belgarth and everything mm-hmm. is that we this are This would lasting. be like the LARP, LARPy LARP sort of stuff? Yeah, like the lightest does. touch LARPs and stuff like that. Yeah. I've seen, I don't know how many pop up in quote-unquote Knoxville area, right? But they're grabbing people from Kentucky and, and Georgia and stuff too. And they're getting a following People of, will go a distance to do like Vampire the Masquerade? Right. Well, I mean, Vampire is again like another big one. But like yeah. there was a local one. I don't know if it's still going on or, or semi-local one called Exodune. Um, and they, they were kind of a, um, a steampunk ish LARP, right? And, uh, you guys mentioned them before Hero or Chris, uh, went to that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but the- I don't know if it's still around, but then like the, the hit, which was, uh, a splinter of Nero, I think, um, it lasted for a few years and I don't think it's still around at the moment, but those are seeing like a large number of people, at least 50 per thing. And they're charging double or more on their monthlies so than what we charge say, for an event every three months. What would you say then is AmpGuard's biggest selling point? If if we had somebody, and this was a vending machine, and they got to pick their LARP out of it, what would make them pick AmpGuard over the, any of these other Honestly, ones? I think it's the, the weekly or bi-weekly attendance. Like, I think that having that community on a normal basis, a group of friends that you see every week, something to look forward to every week, or bi-weekly for some parts, um, you know, is the biggest sell. I think that... I always thought it was the price because Amthgard, like you said, is super cheap. Uh, so no, have, no, if I, you look at all of these lightest heart, touch LARPs, their kits are better looking than ours. They're more expensive than ours. Their weapons per thing is That's what I'm saying. Amthgard is, is cheaper. Expensive. If you're broke and you want to play a LARP, Amthgard is right there and it's, but, it's I mean, nothing. Th- like, that's true, but I mean, w- what other people are coming to Amthgard that haven't, like, at this point, have any kind of background in some sort of LARP or RPG or something like that? Yeah, I mean, in yeah. in, in your example, I think that Amthgard is the Dr. Pepper. I think that we're oh, the Dr. I fucking hate Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yeah, Make, no, name it, another drink. No, I Dr. can't. Dr. Thunder? Yeah, it's but, better than Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Thunder Brew. Somebody oh. is going to come at me for saying that. They're going to be like, Dr. Pepper's amazing. It's barbecue water. It's t- 188 different flavors. They're the, all ass. The... Uh, <laughs> But no, I think that we're the I think that we're the Dr Pepper of uh, 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 of them, and this is why. For the people that are looking for the pay to play type uh, LARPs, they are trying to get something very specific out of it. They may be people that aren't the most physically fit, and so they couldn't keep up with some of the heavier combat. Oh yeah, LARPs. because everyone in Ampgard is, is an Adonis, right? I'm like, not saying that. Okay. Uh, that everyone in Ampgard is an Adonis. I will take my shirt off on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they may not be as physically fit or may be intimidated by the type of combat that comes from the heavier fighting combat stuff like Bell, Dag, Ampgard, that sort of thing. 
It could be that they just want to be the hero of their story at all times. You know, when, when you're on a ditch in Ampguard or, or Dagger Bell, then, uh, you know, John Thunder from Five Rows Down might come over with his uh, polearm and just kill you because he fights polearm a lot and he's good at it. And they like the idea of being more of a D&D character than Ampguard can hero present. The hero story kind of aspect. Yeah, the hero story sort of thing. That's a personal choice. Nothing wrong with them doing that. I drive a Honda. I've accepted I'm not the main character of anything. <laughs> <laughs> I just... <laughs> it could be that for the subsect of people that are drawn to... So in those groups, I'm going to, to, to wrap that in a bow. In those groups, I'm going to include Nero, Solar. I mean, these games have been around for a long time. Maybe Solar's longer. still a thing? I don't. I think it is. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Solar's still a thing, but... Um, <laughs> You know, a, a lot of these have been around for a long time, maybe longer than, than Ampguard has, or at least as, uh, as long. More close to, at least, yeah. yeah. So uh, then you have the section of people that are into what I'm going to call the the heavier fighting side LARPs. Like, like Ampguard, Dag, Bell. High, is High Fantasy Society? Is it still? I, I still think it's kind of like an in-between in some ways, but I don't know for sure. Okay. Um, um, I don't think it's migrated this far over yeah. from Texas. Yeah, it, it might not have. But so then... In that subsect of people, you have to then break them down into what are their interests going to be, because we are fulfilling a, a kind of a it's minority. Vastly different. Yeah. Aspect. Right. Um, Dag and Bell, in general, don't allow the types of garb that we have. That's like neon with upside down cat and hats on it and I'm stuff cool like with that. that. I I do not like the I, state of garb in Amthgard. I, I understand. <laughs> I'm die on this hill. I swear to God. I understand, but. For them, it's a rule. Like you can't go on field. Uh, I think with that you, modern looking equipment, basically. Yeah, I, uh, I, if I remember correctly, they even encourage people to put spats and stuff like that to cover up if you if you're I, wearing. It's like, encouraged, but not super enforced. From yeah. my experience, but it's a little dated. I think it's been five or eight years since I've been so active. So you have people that that are drawn to that aspect of it. You also ha- you also have people that are drawn to, and I think that this is the biggest draw for Dag and Bell over Ampguard. We have become a hotel culture. Um, the at least in our area, yeah. At, at least in our area in in Florida, a lot of the people that we know, um, Ozzy. I don't remember Ozzy's amp guard name. Maybe it's Ozzy. I think um, that's just how I've ever heard his name. So, uh, did you know? I genuinely thought that that Sir Gillen's amp guard name was Zeb. For the longest time, yeah, no, I everybody think thinks everybody that. Everybody does. Yeah, yeah. It's Zeb's, of course, his real, real name. ass name. Yeah. Like I just, I still even like calling him out in tournaments. I'm like Zeb, and like you mean Sir Gillen. I'm like, Fuck, yes, but, I damn it. So Ozzy, uh, one of just a just a regular guy that plays down in, in Neverwinter. We've known him for a long time. Said this a long time ago. Probably one of the most insightful things uh, I heard the guy say. The dynamic of our game changed when we got older and got real jobs. When people were able to afford a hotel instead of sleeping on a tent on the the hard ground, um, it changed the way that people interacted because we lost our go on walkabout uh, night community camps and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and just there you would talk to people wandering around in your cloak because it's cold, half drunk. You would talk to people half that drunk. you would. Can you be half drunk? Nope. Um, <laughs> you would talk to people that you would normally never talk to. 
because like this is where bridges were uh, were built, right? Like this, you walk up to the the camp of gypsy people who don't fight in ditches, who don't uh, maybe not even do battle games unless they're heavy role play. And you sit down and you have a, a mead with them for 30 minutes around the fire and tell stories. And that went away when everybody left to go to hotels. And, yeah, and that's still there at the uh, lightest touch LARPs that I've been to. Because they are a little smaller, so they end up being in uh, bunks that are closer together or uh, a bigger bunk house or something like that at their, their particular uh, areas that they're having them. So you right. get more community in a thing like that. So yeah, I think that's a potential thing, at least in Winter's Edge area, that we have missed. Um, it could also explain some little bit of uh, like fractionality to Winter's Edge as a whole uh, from from things. Well, there's yeah. a lot less like meeting people and having to talk to them, see them more often. Well, okay, but but help me sell Amthgard to people. Like I, I understand that as an issue, but like if I had to say, is it just the weekly meetings thing that that makes Amthgard no, stand so- out or? The thing is, is I don't think Ampguard really stands out to the lightest touch guys very well because so they want to be... we're in an be... awkward place between the heavy combat. Yeah, we're stuff. in a really awkward place, I feel like, because the way our rule set is, there's not much consequence for death because there's literally none or should be none based on our rule set and how the objectives should work, in my opinion. Um, and, uh, uh, man, I really lost my train of thought on that Oh, one. no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, so, again... I'm going to go back to this Dr. Pepper reference here. You ask how to sell it. How many commercials oh, do you see for Dr. Right. Pepper? So to me, like to use a wow reference, right? Um, the lightest touch guys are, are the role players at Goldshire, right? At the end. Yeah. And then Amp they're, Garters. They're all having sex in the end upstairs. Okay. They don't, so some of them I heard that way, but you know, uh, <laughs> the Amp Guard is more like, you know, worse on Gulch or something like that. We are legitimately, the battlegrounds in WoW or any other MMO that you can think of. I think the so, Dak so guys would less have a... the less the consistent storylines, less the role play, and more the individual games that happen. I think that is the, our biggest selling point, but I don't think that we can we can fully say that the other is lost. That's going to be up to your local level uh, people putting together stuff. Right. So if this was the the pentagram stat chart that's in a lot of games where like you have strength, agility, whatever, like we're kind of just rounded in the middle where some games spike to one specific thing and they're like, we're all role play and then we do right. very little fight. Okay. I wouldn't I say can... they do very little fight. It's just different from how we view it. Okay. Mm, I, I can, I can. Because they're, they're like the lightest touch play, uh, LARPs I've been to, there's a lot that goes on. And like whenever yeah. I, I mentioned that yeah, someone probably wouldn't like it because there's not a lot of fighting, they're like, but we fight all the time. I'm like, eh, not real fighting was my original <laughs> uh, argument, right? But there was actually a lot of stuff going on. It's just that we fight in a more physical aspect of, of it than they do. And that's, you know, so for better or worse, you know. So sell it to me from the point of someone that's currently playing Dag Bell, which is really close. We have... We have a lot of places that produce swords that can be used in either game and things like that. You know, I'm going to use the soft drink reference here again. And, and <laughs> you are on Dr. Pepper, man. I've had way too many cokes tonight. Okay, so, <laughs> so do the soft drink reference. Yeah, please. I mean, Dr. Pepper is loosely grouped. I don't know if they're owned by the Coca-Cola company, but they're at least distributed by them, right? I, I can't remember. I don't but, remember which one it is. But the the <laughs> point is that just because I like Coke products, I drink Sprite, I drink Coke, I drink all of this other stuff, doesn't mean I automatically like uh, Dr. Pepper. Right. And just like I like the heavier combat side stuff, um, and I'm drawn to that, doesn't necessarily mean 
that I also then go for throwing fireballs and joints are going to be my spells. first uh, answer for moving from bell or dag to amp guard. <laughs> they, what, like they roll better joints or like <laughs> cannot confirm nor deny that allegation, okay, okay. but uh, oh, real no, quick, like um, wrists and elbows and knees. Like I feel oh, like I took that in a completely different direction. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, totally okay. with, with you on that one. <laughs> okay. So what, what, what's the difference with joints? Just like it's Just easier on like, them because or? the, the weapons have to weigh a certain amount. The amount mm-hmm. of force and impact is much higher. So you have more chance for true injury, right? But I, I mean, Amgard's going to see injuries as well, but I feel like it's less than their groups. Right. That's fair. The safety factor is there. Yeah. Just as a, a, a interesting fact, do you know who actually distributes Dr. Pepper? Dr. Pepper? Keurig. Yeah, that's a, actually somewhat relative a new thing. Yeah, I, there, I There's I actually a plant in Knoxville that's a Keurig Dr. The, Pepper the plant. The coffee company? Yeah, yep. little pot. The K-Cups. They make a ton of money per hour making you know, a bunch of those things, by the way. It's yeah, nuts. in Knoxville. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I just looked it up because you said who does Jenna I had to find out. So. But wow. I thought at one point like Dr. Pepper was under one of the umbrellas as well, but I don't know if they split somehow or another. That's interesting if they did. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I honestly... Because Dr. Boy, Pepper and Mr. Pib were the... Yeah, we're way we're, we're falling down. Sudden. We're we're falling down. <laughs> All right, here, somebody boys. think of a topic to close us out because we're we're encroaching well, well over an hour. I got. We can no. She won't <laughs> let me do it, but we, we could have had a note by Lexi. Lexi has a madman. I read a, I read a few of them, here. and some of them are actually really good questions, and I need to see them because we can address them because they're actually really, just point really at one. Good. We need a topic one to close them, out the podcast. <laughs> one of them. Okay, I need to see the battle on. game ones because those ones are actually really good. Okay, no, um, no, hold on, hold on. This podcast is a fucking sausage fest, and you're sitting here with a scrawl of notes about the podcast and refuse to talk on it. I can just swivel this around. This mic goes all the way to 180. It doesn't matter. I mean, the mic that uh, that Teflon's talking on is a, a totally wide cardio. Yeah, we've been hearing anytime she said anything. So um, <laughs> we can end with Lexi's notes. Uh, so <laughs> You read my diary. It's only fair. <laughs> So uh, if we swing all the way back to the beginning of the podcast, we talked about battle games. Yeah. And I said, take things seriously. Um, and she wonders why, because you have the most fun when things are not serious. And I don't mean like <laughs> I'm going to obliterate the other team. I mean, like I should be taking um, cool abilities and things like that and allowing the new players to see these cool things happen. Because one of the big things with, with AmpGuard in the classes is that there are some really cool synergies that can happen and really cool defensive aspects that you can do as different classes. So, so you, so an example here would be like you take ice, uh, ice ball and shatter Mm -hmm. and your point in doing it, even though it may not be optimal for the scenario that you're doing is to show the new people on the field, how an ice ball works and that there are effects that can then happen after that, that, in some way help your team. Right. Well, to, to put it in a more real example that we all know, um, it's okay to go out and be, you know, gawk gawk the stupid bard um, who has fun, but, you know, is a bard. And is that your whimsical. bard's name, gawk gawk? No, because that's like, ah, ah, it's not good. <laughs> but, but then we also have, you remember when Jay played bard and he took it very, very not seriously where, you know, at the time you had to have an instrument, so he had a bike horn and like, he did, you know, and, and his. Well, but at that time, it was required to have a musical instrument, right? But, but yeah, he could have gotten a, a harmonica. This was V six, <laughs> you know? so yeah. you could bard could he played bard. You could make up your own spells, and he used ICP songs. Yeah, like, as his. So and he would do goofy stuff like that, but he also did things deliberately. And again, we're going to have Jay on the podcast, but he did things that would break the game in some cases. Um, you know, well, he me would, and him are bad about like 
are there boundaries? No, cool. Did you say I can't run away with my flag? Ah, or I can touch my flag? Cool, I'm going to go run in the woods once we get ahead and you can't catch me anymore. Oh, yeah, my I'm favorite aspects. My favorite driving thing. driving the flag to Weigel's. Yeah. Luck, you know? yeah, my favorite thing that... Oh, so for uh, Banner Wars, for, for those listening, Banner Wars is an event in, I think, Texas, and you got to bring your own flag. And Jay's idea was that we were going to pour a 100-pound concrete slab <laughs> that's four by eight. I remember this, yeah. To use as our, and we were just going to paint the flag because they they gave no standards on what the flag looked like or how uh, how it needed uh, to be transported, right? So that was his idea for our flag for just some of the funsies that Jay has uh, come up with in the past. One of the questions he wrote was, uh, "What? We'll just go to Lucas with this one. What has been your favorite uh, battle game so far, and why? Is jugging a battle game?" Technically, yes. I love jugging. I, I I love jugging so much that I still, from my break, am not caught up with how much the rest of Amthgard kind of doesn't like jugging. Because like I, I'm like, you know, I'm like, we should do jugging at an you event. You left should... and there was jugging leagues. I and there was, fucking yeah. know. I missed the best part for me. Because <laughs> I came back and I'm like, we should do jugging at an event. We should have a jugging day at park. Rutger Howard died. Let's jug. And like, everybody's like, well, I like it. But people get too competitive. Oh, me and Teflon over, or over yeah. on the other side, like, man, we did a lot of jugging. Yeah, is like, there anything else we can do? Like, ah, you, know, for, you know, you lose friends when you jug. So jugging is my favorite battle game. But as far as my favorite, like, if I were to take the question maybe as it's meant, you know, like, my like a specific one, say like Clover's right. Titans game or something along those lines. Clover actually ran several very good games at, uh, I believe Qualls at Everliving Woods. Um, and one of them was this, uh, like you had to fill up your storehouse. So there were two bases, um, and then there was a big middle area that was like a rope maze. Yeah. It roped out and there was again, some kind of terrain thing yeah. you had to migrate and, through. And there were all these scoosh balls, you know, little, little gamma balls or whatever. And like you had to collect them, but you couldn't have a weapon in that hand and you had to walk back to your base with like, th- there were a lot of rules on how you could get the, the rations back to your base. And the whole time you're being attacked by the other team. So there was a very, after the initial chaos of the game starting, there was a, a very strategic element to it where some people, you know, you, you would see somebody carrying a thing and you would know, I can't also go for a ball because I need to protect this person or I need to distract. So that was actually a really fun one for me. I liked it in its strategy. Yeah. Um, Flo, you haven't actually played a whole lot of battle games lately. Do you have one that you can think of even from older game uh, time periods or anything like that? I do. I have one that is uh, by far the favorite battle game that I ever participated uh, in. So down in Florida, we had this Alice in Wonderland oh, uh, man. battle that they put together. Yeah. And uh, Sir Nocturne, I think just Nocturne at the time, but Sir Nocturne later, um, made, I'm going to say, a hundred uh, five-foot spears. Those things were amazing, by the way. All of the card, uh, the, the deck of cards people uh, had spears. And you had the Queen of Hearts running around and the White Rabbit and this wasn't a the whole event was role play thing. This was no. Just it's a, just a singular battle game. If I'm not, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, that's correct. But you, you know, to get the Queen of Hearts on your side, you couldn't just come up and like tap her with a sword a couple of times and go, "Ha ha, you're on my side now." You had to play out the part. You had to convince uh, this person who was like, "Off with their heads! It doesn't matter who you've disappointed me." You know <laughs> that. Uh, that the other side 
uh, had offended her in some way that made it worth her joining your side. And she was a crazy powerful wizard once she joined and the white rabbit, you know, could do things like touch someone. And then both of you were just teleporting cause he's so fast and he's ladies, ladies, late, you know, it was zany and crazy, and they didn't even try to, you know, you knew what the, the objective of the battle game was, but they didn't even attempt to explain what all of the different characters could do in it. That's they, interesting. They I think ju- that can be fun if it's done right. Yeah, yeah, they just did things like the White Rabbit would grab on to, to King Cabbage's arm and say, we're late, we're late, we're late. And then, boom, they would teleport over to the castle. And he's like, come on, we're teleporting now. And then he would just walk you. He was, you were on a journey when you, when you were interacting with any of those characters. And, you know, this was, this was V6 or V7 at the time. So it could be that while you're talking to the queen, she activates a circle of death around her and everyone in a 50 foot radius dies because you've (laughs) disappointed her in some way, you know, off with their heads and then boom, the circle's active. Uh, But everyone knew what the objective was, which was to get into Wonderland, get the object and then get out of Wonderland. And you were running across all of the crazy things you were going on. There were two castles involved. There was mazes on the ground that you had to go walk through. And it was just, a, a, what's the the kind of bright colored tape that you can put on the oh, ground? The, the, oh, man. Marking tape or yes, whatever. Yes, that's it. Um, that, that they had staked into the ground in places for different parts of uh, the objectives that different characters would say, hey, you need to go do this. That was amazing to me. Uh, I was still a pretty young. I was so mad that I didn't actually fight in that battle game. I don't even remember why I wasn't there for it, but I, I, I didn't <laughs> participate in it for some reason. And when I came across probably halfway through, I was like, I've missed out. I'm, I should have just jumped on a team and not worried about it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, coming back from that one, uh, hats off to whoever made those stupid spears. Like you said, they were five foot spears and they were stab only somehow or another, either by ill gotten gains or whatever we ended up with, like three or four of them. Yeah, um, no, no, the, we we did end up with three or four of them. It wasn't ill-gotten. That you were allowed to keep the spear. Oh, okay. Oh, that's nice. That's so cool. we ended up having duels. Me and Jay's brother and a couple other people, where it was basically fencing. But because they were five feet, it was, and we had to hold them by the end, by near the pommel. Yeah, they were a little hard to control. So these duels were the most ridiculous. Dumb. You'd close on somebody, and then you'd have to reach all the way above your head to try and stab them in the stomach. Basically they were dumb. Was, was this the inspiration for your crazy fencing swords you have now? Uh, not directly. Uh, that ended up being something similar. I'm but so it mad. I can't use those as a bard. <laughs> you can. They're <laughs> no, long swords. They're stab only. Yeah. Can that still be a long sword? I thought yeah. that puts it in spear. Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not mad anymore. <laughs> so speaking of, Oh, speaking of dangerous duels and, and you know, whatever, um, we, we sort of joked about it, but the next time we jug, we are, quicking right sure i'm down we're gonna wrestle i'm down for for no dagger uh no dagger wrestling wrestling yeah, yeah. i'm so i want this <laughs> i miss jugging you guys i just <laughs> okay. i remember i remember z turning to me z's one of our park members uh is our monarch right now is is the monarch of radiant valley and yeah. we should have her on at some point maybe we should yeah so i remember z turning to me she and i were were quicking uh this last time that we did it when rudger howard died and uh turning to me after we'd been doing it for most of the day and saying you know what I understand now why people say that that this can be dangerous. People get really mad out here. I was like, "Yeah, you know, we're this is a lot better than it used to be." Yeah. <laughs> um. So my favorite battle game actually didn't come from Amp Guard. Um, and it's very similar in the way uh, that 
the cards thing was and the aspect there was a bunch of things to to interact with, right? So um, Dirtamirian uh, in Nashville, they're a Belgarth group. They did it, I think, not technically as the Belgarth group Dirtamirian. It was like a, a roleplay-ish side event kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a, a quest uh, to... Um, put this staff back together, I think is what the actual thing was. I don't really remember the why, but the problem was, is I got so caught up in all of the little side quests they had. Like they had a guy wandering around who was mad cause he was drunk. He wanted to get drunk, but he couldn't. Cause every time he put uh, anything into his cup, it just emptied. Like all, all water went into it. Wouldn't do it. He couldn't have alcohol in his cup or nothing. He was very sad about it. And then later on you find someone else wandering around talking about how, man, I don't, I need some help. I don't know how I, how to, to ask for the help, but my, my town's flooded and stuff. So you put together like, well, if we just bring this dude's cup over to that town, it'll suck up all the water. Oh, I just no thought longer. he had a really shitty cup. No. Okay. Like yeah. He has like a the, hole in the bottom I mean, or something did. like that. He did have a shitty cup, but yeah, it was yeah, shitty yeah. for him, not yeah, for everybody okay. else. Right. Yeah. Like there was legitimately like six or eight little side quest things that I did. And I didn't, I, I wasn't even working towards the main quest. <laughs> I totally forgot about it. I was just so absorbed in all these little side quest things that they had going on. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of like an escape room. It was because everything was a puzzle. Um, I remember there being like, they had a cool thing that they did with a chest. It was basically two pieces of plywood with a, um, with a hinge on it. So when you opened it, you felt like you were opening a chest, but yeah. it came open and like, I opened the dang bomb. So it had a picture of a, like, you know, the round bombs with the, <laughs> yeah, the little thing sticking on them. Out. The, 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 sticking the out. Acme bomb. Yeah, exactly. Hey, what um, happens if the fire alarm goes off while you're in an escape room? <laughs> uh, you okay. die. Okay. I, no, I, I want to, I want to be really specific. There is not a standard two by four wall that will prevent me from getting through it. I don't do escape rooms, so I just didn't know. I will Kool-Aid man straight <laughs> through drywall and insulation and anything. Flow will not burn to death inside of the escape room unless there's brick or something on the other side. That's fair. Um, one of the observations that she had when we were talking about burnout is hyper, as she put it, hyper amp aggression. And that's not to do with fighting. It's trying to do it all. Like, trying to be an autocrat and trying to do everything you can uh, before walking away. Um, there's been several people that we've had, I think, go through Winter's Edge who's done this at some point or another. Uh, I think Kazan has done this um, at one point. Um, so watch out for your bros who, if you're trying to take on too much, maybe they're wor- working towards burnout and stuff like that. too. Well, at a certain point, too, you get to this, you're like, I can do it better than they can, and I just, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do the damn thing because right. I don't feel like, and then that I can see where you end up in that position. Um, I think that why I do things, quote-unquote, in the way that I do leadership is because I've watched so many people do that and fall down that hole. And it's, if you want to do something, un- and I'm in that leadership position or whatever, by all means, do it. I don't care what you're doing. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, this brings up another really good point, too. And this kind of goes with the crat stuff uh, mm-hmm. as well. But do you... So I wanted to start doing some uh, some feast stuff. Right. But I am not the type of person that is going to go in and cook every single individual meal uh, and and make sure that everything is perfect. I I did that for an event. Uh, I'm glad that I that I did so that I could experience what some of the other people have gone through. But I look at my position more as like a kitchen manager. And I think all 
crat position that same thing could be applied to. Yeah, you know, they are basically management position. You you are organizing the people under you to make sure that the job gets done. Now, whether the person decides to bid out for different meals or or whatever, and they're in the kitchen and they're helping direct people and and do whatever. You know, it's not that they're not involved, but does that diminish their job in that crap position if at the end of it the meals were on time the food was cooked well the you know whatever needed to be done was done within the controlling limits that we discussed earlier you know you can't control if the stuff right so for me like i don't think it diminishes at all i think in some ways that it's in better at least in the burnout aspect uh better you know because you're a lot less likely to be like oh i need to cook the steak or whatever it is you're cooking and then I need to go do this. I need to make sure that so-and-so's on that. I need to make sure that this is happening and that and that. And then you sacrifice, potentially sacrifice the the quality of the food because you're taking on too much, right? Well, I did um, it for a very specific reason. When I did it, when I, when I was in the kitchen, I kept a uh, uh, a notebook. What are the, the cheapy notebooks that you can buy? Composition book? Yeah, thank you. A comp book in there. And it was on the front. I wrote the book of flow. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, somebody would be running by and it's like, hey, uh, one of the Gatorades is getting uh, low. And I was like, okay, hey, go get the thing for us, bring it back here, and then I have a bag of trash that I'd like you to haul over to our trash thing. And when you finish, write your name in the book of flow. And uh, I wanted to hand out awards to people. Right. There was no no uh, uh, um, secret to what I was doing, right? I very much wanted to be able to hand out awards to people. And maybe them... I mean, it's a, the, the, the biggest problem I have, like whenever I run something is I forget. So having that, that <laughs> notebook to be like, Hey, do your thing, write it down would be great for me. So that's something I'm going to try and take on uh, oh, yeah. the next and, time I run something. It's I amazing. Mean, it's it got like, covered in, it got covered in bacon grease and tomato sauce and bar- barbecue and everything. Matter. Yeah. It didn't matter. <laughs> I just like the book of flow. Yeah. In the beginning there was the kitchen and the kitchen was with flow. <laughs> um, so, I don't know where these were pertaining to because her notes are all over the place and she can't take notes like a regular person. Um, but... Are you complaining that she came up with good <laughs> questions for us to no, ask? No, no, no. I'm not complaining she came up with good questions. I don't know how to follow where it was in our conversation where these came through. So, I, um, well, this one's not as much as, uh, so this is going back to like retention type aspect. Right. Why do you keep coming out as a player? Uh, we'll go with Flo first. Oh God, I've got this. This is like when we're at to... Waffle House. You got to buy me time. I, I've got the two of you to take care of. <laughs> oh, fuck right <laughs> off. No, okay. Oh, so that's a big... Uh, <laughs> so why do, I, why do I keep coming out? Um, I keep coming out for a couple of reasons. One, um, and this is, this is in no particular order, but I will say that this is probably one of the bigger ones for me. I still have things that I want to accomplish. I still have goals. I'm a goal-oriented person, um, and I still have goals that I would like to achieve. Um, the... I've gotten knighthood, and that's awesome. I, I do. I, I've said from the very beginning of when I started playing that I would like to catch them all. I want right. all four of the belts. Um, so that, of course, is a goal. Uh, but as I've gotten older, my priorities have changed, and the things that I was looking for changed some too. Uh, I want the experience that I had when I was a young amp garter, the fun that I had at events uh, to... Uh, exist. I, I want the new people that are coming up now to be able to have that same kind of fun. I want to promote an environment in our kingdom that people feel safe in, that people can have fun in, that people want to bring their kids to. Because uh, if I have 
seen anything over the years, it is that families uh, in AmpGuard last longer and having inviting uh, environments for uh, kids of all ages to for kids of all ages to uh, uh, to do stuff with is one of the ways that we can make sure that as our community ages and starts having kids that those younger kids that do join you mentioned you know the the uh, 16 17 18 year olds earlier yeah. that we were not getting as many now so when they become 19 20 21 22 you know and they start starting families I don't want them to feel like they have to choose between their family and and absolutely yeah and I think that our kingdom has been doing uh, better and better at uh, the poppet crap position yeah that uh, yeah. red or Libby um, and uh, uh, Oh man, I have blanked on names all of a sudden. Uh, Kay uh, or Lavender has done, I believe. There's probably others, and I'm just bad, and I don't remember people. Yeah, I, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't remember any of them either. But yes, you know, stuff like that is uh, is a great way to do it. So, you sum up for this, you know, I still have goals that I want to do. I want to see people have as much fun as I was able to have when I was a younger amp garter, and I want to continue to promote this positive environment uh, in the game and uh, somewhere where everyone feels like they can come out and find something to do. Yeah. So, uh, Lucas, uh, what do you think you're best known for in Winter's Edge? Am I known for anything in Winter's Edge? <laughs> Look, I did a five-year break, came back and became Monarch somehow. I don't know. What, what have I mean, me yeah, you are, but it's not good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. A lot of people's first impression of me is when I was like 14. So um, what am I known for in Winter's Edge? God, I don't know. What am I known for in Winter's Edge? Uh, I can help you out. Lexi, I feel like you wrote that question with a specific answer in mind. She won't, she won't even never acknowledge. She's we'll no. never know. It's a steel trap. Um, okay, what, what am I known for? So uh, aside from being that really obnoxious kid at 14, yes, I'm aware. <laughs> yeah, the, that. Um, no. So what are you known for now? Uh, since you've come to, you're older now, you've come back to the game. The, this is kind of hard to say in a way, right? But a lot of the older amp garters now, the people that I grew up with, uh, are memories, uh, in the kingdom. You know, Putin is a great guy, has done an amazing amount of work for, uh, for the principality and then for the, for the kingdom. Um, on a bit of a break right now, has a young family, um, you know, all the love to you, Putin, but a lot of the people that, you know, you come to, uh, you come to an event and, uh, people don't necessarily know who Putin is. They know of the memory of Putin. Man, as someone who, who left the game for a while and came back, it's kind of actually really cool come in and be the not known person except by the veterans in the game. Yeah, that is, that is fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I can I can cite numerous examples there. I am actually one of those people. Yeah, that, actually, yeah. I think everyone yeah. in this room, so Lexi included, are kind of that way. But you are in a unique position. You came back, and uh, you and Vidalia uh, started visiting a lot of other groups, right. a lot of our younger groups, uh, and have uh, they know you? They know who you are. You you are fulfilling the role. That, uh, that Flo and Teflon and Lexi and Shalazar and Zeb and uh, you know all of the people that used to be traveling quite a bit used to fill. Yeah, all of the parks they they don't have a memory of who Cabbage is. They know who Cabbage is. Right. Uh, and so I think that that's what you do for the kingdom right now. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, I can, I can cop to that. And also I can get crazy when I've had a few drinks. It's fine. <laughs> so <laughs> tangentially, what do you want to be known uh, as for Winter's Edge? Okay. This <laughs> is a... Well, give, you, okay. give you a softball question, right? Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> this is the question that I feel like is going to bring the whole podcast down. Um, nah. So a lot of people, um, you know, come in with different goals in mind. Obviously, when I started, I wanted to be a fucking sword knight, which I think everyone does. I think a lot, large uh, you, you portion know, of people like that aspect. Well, it doesn't help, too, that I was, I was at a park that had Sir Gillen, and, you know, he was about to be a sword knight and he was just amazing to watch on the field right i mean he's a dinosaur now so it's like it's still cool to watch him just because he still works yeah. you look at the skeleton of the t-rex in the museum and go that used to be powerful yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so no no so starting out i wanted to be a sword knight and then um very quickly realized what a lot of people do which was that i'm never going to be a sword knight um just look at the shape of my body you know <laughs> that's not an excuse anymore brett had it <sighs> So at, at some point, one of, the, too, yeah. go, one of the Sir Golan down that in Florida, always kind of fit one on. of the <laughs> one of the best uh, sticks that I have ever seen play the game. Um, I mean, I'm putting him beside uh, Leaf and Spin and everyone else. Right. Most consistent, most technical sticks that I've ever seen play the game. And he was a big guy. Mm-hmm. So big guys that are listening to this, you're not out. Well, okay. So wanted to be a sword knight. Eventually decided that wasn't going to work. Just wanted to be a knight at all. Right, that that sort of was the progression. Sword Knight to I'll take any white belt, any of them are good, you know. <laughs> um, and then, you know, honest to God, if I if I had to be, you know, to to borrow a clover story or to a clover phrase, to real talk, when I ran for Monarch, it did cross my mind like, oh, this is a path to a crown belt. Okay, this is cool. Um, but after sitting in this position for a while, and I know we've talked about this privately, but like, honest to God, if I keep the game around for a few more years, I'm cool with being known for that. And if, and if that just means I just kept kicking the can down the road for the next Monarch, I'm okay with that because there are some things on the international side and not to get too dramatic about it, but there are genuinely things on the Anthguard international side since we became a real business that threaten the livelihood of the game. Yeah. And it like, you know, people always talk about like, oh, you know, Amthgard International sucks or like, I hate dealing with the AI com. I'm just going to stay. We're just going to be winner's edge and, and fuck those guys. And I respect that. I, I completely understand the desire to do that. Yeah. We're just at a point that that can't be done. You I think. can't do yeah. that anymore. And there are an unnerving number of, of monarchs and other kingdoms who still keep that. And yes, I'm calling them out. I don't care. Um, <laughs> they know my opinion. There are an unnerving number of monarchs and other kingdoms who keep that energy. They're like, I'm just going to do my kingdom and fuck this. You know, I, I don't have to deal with this wider scope, but we absolutely do. Well, I mean, I think Winters as a whole, at least when I came back, had that aspect. And not like in a negative way, just as I don't care what other kingdoms are doing. We're just going to do Winters Edge things, which, you know, I can respect that yeah. to some degree. But at the same time, again, like you have a word standardization that's supposed to be somewhat equivalent. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to be equivalent whenever you don't know what's going on and things like that. So it's really right. difficult. So my goal went from be a sword knight to be any knight to just keep the game around so people can be knights in it. And honest to God, I'm cool with that. That's yeah, fine by me. We've talked about this a little bit on the Belted Family uh, chat before, but uh, you know, all of us have been in uh, in high-level positions in the in the principality or kingdom multiple times. And one of the main goals that you have when you're in office is, uh, is just to control the level of crazy 
that your populace has to deal with. Yeah. This isn't this isn't about censoring the information that's coming to them or anything like that, but there's some things that by their private nature, by the by the private nature of what's going on, they can't know. Right. Right. And uh, and there's just, I mean, for anyone that's been in office, the, they can tell you this. There is just some zany things that come up that you have to deal with when, uh, when you got the weight of that crown uh, on your head. And, uh, or I assume since I've never been king, um, <laughs> bastard. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you're you're controlling the the amount of crazy that the that the kingdom has to deal with. And when you do have to, when do have to is a bad way to say that maybe when you do when when you are talking to them about some of the crazy that's happened being able to discuss it with the kingdom in a way that is easy to digest that makes sense and uh that that's going to cause the least amount of stress and, and there's a certain and amount of professionalism that you have to keep with it basically yeah absolutely because i mean we we you you talk about some real things. You talk about you know getting rid of people from our organization, possibly forever, right? Uh, yeah. And and other things like that. So it's uh it's tough. It's tough, especially because all of us have been around for a long time. And so if I end up having to drop a ban on someone, I may be dropping a ban on someone that I consider a good friend, that I consider a close friend, and likely lose that friendship. Too. Yeah, and may lose that friendship. Over. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. you've you've that's actually happened to you. Oh yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, it it has, and and uh, you know, I still for for the people that were involved with that, I still love them. They mm-hmm. they know that. I, they, we're I still consider them uh, good friends. I still consider them good people. But those situations come up when you're in office, and you are forced to make a decision, um, and it's tough. Yep. Uh, it's tough to be in, and I think people can understand on an intellectual level what's that that's like, but you never really understand until you're sitting in that that Discord meeting discussing what you now have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I fully expect to end my term with fewer friends than I started, um, and that's okay. Like I don't care. I'm not here to be everybody's friend. I'm here to to keep the game going and to keep the kingdom going and try to you know do right by people during COVID. But right. Like that, that if you are going to be a monarch and your goal is to be everybody's buddy, you should reconsider. And, and that's not to say you should just not be a monarch, but know that it's not all fun and games and it's not all kind of temper your expectations. Yes. To some it's, it's not all going to be holding cool events and getting to sit at the front table. It's, it's also going to be a lot of background shit that you're like, why are people like this? Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, that's the truth. Yeah. It's like, why are you, why are you like, why are you the way you are? You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my goal currently keep the game going. That's uh, I think all of the, the questions and stuff on, that's on a Lexi's perfectly notes, dour so. note to end the podcast then. <laughs> okay. So I'm um, following tradition here, following tradition here. We have one more. I know that we're way over time, but we're going to end on one thing. We got to tell a funny story. I know that we told a couple on here. We got to tell a funny story. <sighs> and so I'm going to take it a step farther here. And say that this funny story needs to be one that involves the three of us. Yep, I knew this was coming. <laughs> oh, man. Um, last symposium, we got into some fuckery. Uh, yeah, can, we can't discuss any of that on, uh, <laughs> on camera. Well, yeah, we can. We just got to be careful. The but Statue of Limitation think... isn't up on a lot of I think that. my favorite, it sucks because Lucas wasn't in the game again at the time, was oh, that's when fine. we went to, to Rackus and we played the, two, uh, the giant on the uh, orc ball field or whatever it was they called it. Oh, where... yes. So... <laughs> Um, 
the Teflon and I went to uh, Rackus, which is an event held by the Iron Mountains out in Colorado. Colorado? Yeah, yeah, that's I it. think Colorado. Shout and, out to Promethea, by the way. They have one of the coolest monarchs I've ever talked to. <laughs> and so the person who was running the game at the time, uh, Teflon is not so tall. Um, and, and then wasn't so dense. <laughs> yeah, he wa- he wasn't as dense as a neutron star back then either. And and I am very tall. I'm six four. And so we asked the person that was running this orc ball game or orc ball like game that we were playing if I could just put him on my shoulders as master blaster. <laughs> and I took two shields. And and he took a polar. Was it a like a twenty foot polar? No, it, it wasn't was, that big. It, it was, was it was, a, it was like a twelve footer, maybe the uh, uh, ten foot. I don't know. I was I was young, so yeah. So it could have been a, a, it could have been a six foot one, but it's taller than me. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was this huge pole arm, and so we ran around the battlefield with me fighting double shield, uh, and and him fighting pole arm as master blaster. Uh, and anytime we killed, anytime we killed someone, we would go master and blaster. <laughs> and uh, that was all fun in games until we remembered that we were in Colorado, where the air is not. Yeah, um, yeah. Which one of you fainted first? Was it was it Teflon because he had a higher elevation, or was it you because you were so hearing Teflon? Neither of us fainted, but we did end up. We basically went from one end to the other, like, nope, we're not doing this. Yeah, again. We're, we're we're done. I thought about it. Fuck this. Yeah. yeah. At, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we did end up ditching uh, later that day, and oh, because man. we just couldn't, we could not not fight. That wasn't an option. We were on a field with Sir Leaf, Sir Michael Hammer of God, Sir Thor, Thor. Guy. Uh, I don't remember all of the people. Who did we stay with? Um, it was Ka- it was a Casca and uh, yeah, I don't Cord. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't think he was necessarily at the time big fighter or whatever, but he was definitely good enough to. Yeah, to uh, get, you know. absolutely, and and so we we have to be out there fighting, and we're just we're dog tired. Like I mean, we're we're dragging I mean, our feet. Leaf is we're, literally explaining to us uh, elevation sickness yeah, as we are experiencing it. elevation sickness. <laughs> like he, it was kind of one of those subtle things. Like you need to sit your ass down, and we're like, yeah, those symptoms sound horrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, no, we got really so horrible. delirious. That one of our uh, uh, fighting strategies at one point was, all right, Flo, you swing low, and Jeff, you swing high. This sounds very reasonable. And so I being the tall guy doing the, the, the yeah. low shot. And, and we thought this was so funny. We were giggling madly <laughs> yes. as we wandered across the ditch field. And I think this is what prompted Leaf to come over and, and say, I, yeah, and say so. hey, you know, <laughs> this is what altitude sickness is like. So um, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I was. I can't think of. Uh, do, we don't have. Uh, uh, I mean, like the problem is, is like usually one of a uh, uh, mere flow at the time, and now Lucas uh, was, has been was on involved break. in some sort of uh, service type thing. So we yeah. haven't really been together uh, at an event, you know, except like at night. Yeah, you know? and and usually too, like not so much Flo and and myself, but Teflon and I end up in the drift. <laughs> where we're thinking oh, the same thing and say it same time it's so yeah. bad it's weird but like we'll make eye contact and then we've just decided we're going to put that person in a high chair 
Like yeah. some no, unknowing bystander. Yes. Okay. Some unknowing bystander walking into the feast hall, and I just I look at the high chair. I look at I look at Teflon. Teflon looks at the high chair. He looks at me, and then without saying a word, we get up and put the person in a high chair, and then sit back down like nothing fucking yeah. happened. Like <laughs> that kind of stuff is hard to hard to relay, you know, without being there. Yeah. Well, this was a whole lot of fun. Uh, thank you so much for being on. Almost uh, two hours of fun. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah, it'll be one of our longest ones. Oh, do we do we split this up? Oh, we, so we uh, like- no. uh, the other thing that's tradition, uh, Lucas, uh, Flo, what do you guys want to name your your show? <laughs> I, um, man, now I feel like one of the guests. Oh no, is this what we do to our guests? This <laughs> we, sucks. We do. Uh, okay, so so I want to point out one of the other things that was on the list that I didn't point out yet was. Uh, Who's interviewing who here? <laughs> oh no, that that's an easy one. We're all interviewing each other. Each other. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what are we going to name this uh, episode? I still think I, camera time is definitely the way to go. Well, okay. I googled millennial baby name generator. Oh, perfect. Let's. Oh just, no, 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 no. Wu Tang name generator. Yes, Wu Tang. Oh, with Hammer Time, I was going to go something like we nailed it. <laughs> God damn it. Hold on, let's just let's no, give the Wu Tang. We nailed it. Is definitely should be the let's name. Let's give of that the Wu Tang generator one shot. Okay? I mean, my name is Danger Small off the Wu Tang <laughs> generator. By the way, all right. Enter the Wu Tang. Vulgar mercenary. Is that yes? No. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Vulgar mercenary. Oh, vul- <laughs> vulgar mercenary sounds like the really cheesy name of a, a second season anime bad guy. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, so we'll call it Hammer Time because I think that's we nailed fits. it. Yeah, and, and for, because uh, I guess we didn't explain the joke. This yeah. is, this is, Flo is Sir Flopogen Thunder Hammer. Um, Teflon is Teflon Frost Hammer and I am Cabbage Tide Hammer. Um, the theme being hammers. Yeah, uh, Stinkfoot could not be more disappointed in all of us. I <laughs> almost picked Stankhammer. <laughs> I was, and I, I didn't pick it specifically because I thought Stinkfoot will think that I'm trying to, to ape his name. Oh, I, Pat, I love you, but I'm not sure that Stinkfoot could chain that noticed. together at this point. <laughs> well, okay, so we'll, we'll call it Hammer Time. Um, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, on Spotify, give this a like wherever you're at, if it has a like button. Um, we'll see you next week. We've got a couple of guests lined up. We'll start teasing more on the social media pages very soon. Thanks for joining us.